1: Hello. Do you want to start? Want to get into it?
2: <laughs> I called up Slate's Jordan Weissman to talk about interest rates. Let me think. And that is the Federal Reserve once again raising its key interest rate by three quarters of a point in order to beat back inflation.
1: Yeah, uh, it's interesting.
2: I wanted Jordan to cut through the unvarnished air of panic I hear on cable news these days. What are the risks? It raises the risk that at some points at least the Fed might overshoot and raise rates too much, pushing the economy into a recession that perhaps didn't need to happen. It's all the same thing, fear of a recession, as the Fed doubles down on its strategy of crushing inflation by jacking up the cost of borrowing. Will they end up overdoing it? Most likely, yes. So they've gotten themselves into this hole, and unfortunately, they don't know how to get out of this hole. There's no ladder out of this hole. People have to realize there's no ladder out of this But Jordan, he hears all this and he thinks, well, yeah, panic is part of the point here. For someone like Jerome Powell, the chair of the Fed, pumping up interest rates is a way of communicating, saying, no more Mr. Nice Bank
1: it's a little bit of psychology. And I guess you could say he's, you know, it's not just psychological intimidation. He's also using interest rates as, you know, his his big stick to kind of beat the economy into submission.
2: So Jordan, is Jerome Powell, the chairman of the Fed, is he a bully?
1: (laughs) Is he a bully? I don't think he's a bully. I, I don't think he's, no, he's like, He's kind of like chairman of the world, though, right now, like he's chairman of the world economy. He's he's not just he doesn't just run the Fed. He runs everything.
2: What Jordan means here is over the last few decades, the U.S. made itself such a central node in the world economy. that now every time rates go up, it tightens a vise globally. And we're about to find out whether some industries, even some economies, can take this pressure. If Jerome Powell is trying to bully the economy into submission, how's that working out?
1: Oh, it's complicated.
2: Today on the show, can the economy take Jerome Powell's heat? I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next? Stick around. This episode is brought to you by Discover. To start, I asked Jordan Weissman to give it to me straight. Is the economy in a bad place right now?
1: So I would not say it's in a bad place. It's in a a slightly frightening place. Let's start at the beginning. Because, you know, I'm sure your listeners at this point are sl- are used to hearing me come on and say, well, the markets and uh, economists are freaking out about the Fed's attempts to tame inflation because that's been the theme of this entire year. But that's still basically where we are. Inflation has yet to subside, right? It is still going pretty strong. There was a brief moment where it looked like maybe it was lighting up and then surprise, it sort of popped back up again. And so the Federal Reserve at the same time has gotten more and more aggressive and more and more vehement about how high it's going to hike interest rates and its willingness to back off. So let's talk about the stages of what's been happening early on, the Federal Reserve basically said, we think we can tame inflation without really causing much damage. And at that point, Jerome Powell talked a lot about what he called a soft landing.
3: I I also do think, and I I think it's uh, more likely than not, that we can achieve what we call a soft landing. And and they're they're far more common in our history than is is generally understood. And that would be what you described, which is get inflation back under control uh, without a recession,
0: Well, some of us in this room remember the '80s.
1: The idea of a soft landing is that you know you can hike rates and bring down inflation and not cause severe damage to the economy, not plunge us into a recession. And there are some canonical examples of soft landings. The most famous one was in 1994, the uh, soft landing orchestrated by Alan Greenspan. But what people have kind of realized over time is that most most of those instances did not actually involve high or even rising inflation they were more like cases where people thought inflation was coming and the Federal Reserve acted early and, you know, supposedly headed off inflation, prevented it from coming from 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 spiking. And the economy did not crash.
2: So what you're saying is when the inflation is already hot and heavy, it's hard not to crash things to fix it.
1: Right. That's what history suggests. Uh, People have kind of looked back and realized there just aren't really any good examples of the Fed. Bringing down inflation for where it's been over the past year, without also causing an economic crash or, or a recession, there just aren't. And so, that, there's nothing great you can point to and say, "Oh, yes, they've definitely done this before." Um, and so, as it got more and more difficult, as it became apparent that it was going to be more and more difficult to tame inflation, Powell's tone started to change. It went from, "Oh yeah, yeah, we can we can do this soft landing thing. We can we can land the plane gently," to a little bit more you know, doubtful.
2: Yeah, a lot of people have pointed to this speech he gave at Jackson Hole over the summer where he basically, (laughs) he was shaking his maracas about inflation. Like he was like, today my speech is going to be short and my message is going to be direct. And he was like, we are going to fix this and I don't care how big my hammer has to be.
3: While higher interest rates, slower growth and softer labor market conditions will bring down inflation... They will also bring some pain to households and businesses. These are the unfortunate costs of reducing inflation. But a failure to restore price stability would mean far greater pain.
1: Yeah, that was sort of a funny moment because what had happened was that the the Fed sort of tried to say that, but a little more quietly and politely. They you know they had they had raised interest rates in June, and reporters asked if there's a recession are you going to keep hiking interest rates you know are are you going to keep at this even if it looks like it's going to tank the economy
2: and recession meaning like lots of people losing their jobs right
1: basically well we i guess we we should talk about what a recession actually is since that was a big controversy recently but for the most part let's say the economy tanks just you know growth goes negative people are losing their jobs classic recession right and he he basically you know, without exactly saying it, he he said, yes, like the most important thing here is price stability. And if that requires a recession, we're not going to back off. But he said it really kind of in a roundabout way and was polite about it. And markets didn't really get the message. Instead, what they started to do was price in what they call a Fed pivot.
2: A Fed pivot is exactly what it sounds like and about face in monetary policy. Basically, although the Federal Reserve had been raising interest rates, investors heard Powell's tone took a look at their balance sheets, and figured the Fed was going to ease up soon. And then they invested accordingly.
1: And you might have recalled how during the summer, like, stocks started going up all of a sudden after plunging a bunch. They started you know, bouncing back. That was because people thought the Fed was going to back off for the most part. They were like, eh, the Fed's not really serious about this whole inflation fighting thing. And so Powell kind of realized he needed to be less polite. And so he showed up at Jackson Hole and he's like, let me make this as clear to you as possible. Let me there is probably going to be pain. And investors and economists are very attuned to the word pain. When a Federal Reserve chairman starts to say pain, that means like it's coming. (laughs) <laughs> like that, that means he's very serious. <laughs> and so finally, markets and, or investors and you know, the economics world really did get the message. And this idea that the Fed was going to back off, that it was going to pivot, kind of faded quickly, um, which is why your 401k looks miserable right now. And the Fed is, if anything, only gotten more aggressive since then, right?
2: I think of it like Jerome Powell's the mean daddy now. Like, he tried to be nice daddy, but, like, nice daddy wasn't working.
1: Yeah, that's sort of it. Uh, It's like, can you hear me now? Can you
2: (laughs) you take (laughs) it? Do I I need to turn it up? Have I
1: made myself clear? (laughs) Like, that's, yeah, exactly. Like, that is, that's kind of where we're at. Um, And part of that is, again, it it is a little, like you were kind of saying, it is market psychology, right? Like, you you know, they didn't believe him. And so... You know, and that was a problem for the Fed. The fact that all these investors were pricing in a pivot meant that interest rates were moving in the opposite direction that the Fed wanted, right? Like it was getting cheaper to borrow, to to buy a house. Mortgage rates were going down. Uh, stocks were going back up. Um, that was the opposite of what the Fed wanted. And it was because people weren't really taking them seriously. And so they had to act a little bit more serious.
2: I want to talk about how the Fed raising interest rates is supposed to work and how it actually seems to be working right now. Domestically, especially. sure. The way it's supposed to work, this is my understanding, and you'll correct me if I'm wrong, is that raising interest rates is supposed to bring down inflation because higher interest rates means it's more expensive to borrow money. Businesses begin to factor higher costs into their budgets. They hire fewer people. And so when there's less money sloshing around, people buy less stuff. Theoretically, businesses then drop their prices. Does that all sound Right.
1: Yeah, that's 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 roughly the idea. Here's how I would I I would would explain it. When the Federal Reserve raises interest rates, it makes it more expensive to borrow money. That's like the most important thing, like you said, and that really slows down parts of the economy that depend on borrowing money. Probably the most important one of all, like the kind of main channel, as economists say, or the number one channel these days, is housing. Right. Like when the Federal Reserve raises interest rates, it's basically taking a hammer to the housing market. And the housing market is kind of the engine of the whole U.S. economy. Because it's where people build wealth. It's not just that. I mean, that's part of it. But it's just such a huge engine of consumption. Right. Because when you when people buy houses well someone has to build those houses and when they build houses they have to buy materials and have to hire workers and they have to buy things like and when you're talking about materials you're not just talking about the wood and you know cement or, or whatever you're also talking about stoves and tiling and flooring and I mean like think about everything that goes into a house
2: so it involves a lot of stuff essentially
1: yeah stuff durables like you know the you know you hear people talk about durable goods sales a lot of that's just comes from people buying dryers for new houses right um or you know stoves for new houses yeah, uh, you know, the other the other major engine, so to speak, of the U.S. economy is, is car sales, which are also pretty interest rate sensitive. And so, when the Fed hikes rates, you start to see people buying fewer cars, and and uh, you know the housing market cools off a bunch. And as a result, you see less hiring and you see less economic activity overall. It can also have some effect on business investment, right? Like when it's cheaper to borrow money, businesses are in theory more likely to go to the bank take out a loan and invest and that all has cascade effects throughout the economy and eventually if the economy cools down there's going to be less demand for workers right you're going to have less hiring and if there's less hiring and less demand for workers then wages aren't going to grow as fast. Um, and if you think that wages, if you think wage increases are part of what's powering inflation, that's going to take some of the pressure off of prices. Uh, and so it's, you know, you press, you know, there's a the little meme now where like you have a little domino, someone pushes, and then it goes to the bigger domino and the bigger domino and the bigger domino, right? Like that's the Fed and short-term interest rates, right? <laughs> like it's got, it's the little domino that then you know, knocks down all the other bigger dominoes.
2: But something weird seems to be happening here, which is that the Fed is raising interest rates and job growth is still relatively strong. Like numbers came out last week and while job growth eased, one economist basically said, if I'd just woken up from a really long nap and looked at these numbers, like I'd say, oh, pretty strong job market here. So it seems like this seesaw of raising interest rates should have an effect on job growth. It's not working the way the Fed anticipated, maybe.
1: Sort of, yeah, and this is that this is one of the big issues that people have zeroed in on. Um, you know, some folks have are, are, started joking that it's the the honey badger job market. It just does not give a fuck. Like the Fed can do whatever.
2: <laughs> and, <laughs> like, do we know why that's happening?
1: People aren't entirely sure, but I think here's one important thing to keep in mind. Monetary policy is not supposed to work instantly, right? And this is, a, this is actually a really important thing to keep in mind. It's actually, it, it's key to one of the reasons I'm personally, and a lot of other people are personally very nervous about what the Fed is doing right now. Monetary policy is supposed to work with a lag. It's supposed to take time. You know, the Fed pulls its lever, and then about a year later, you know, the, the economy finally moves in the direction that, that, that they want. I'm oversimplifying a bit there. Right. Like already we're starting to see the effects of interest rates on the economy, most notably in the housing market where really things have slowed down. I mean, but still it takes time.
2: So in your perfect world, would Jerome Powell be instead of stacking interest rate hikes one on top of the other, would the Fed be doing this like hiking an interest rate, waiting three or five or six months, seeing what happens and then reconsidering as opposed to one after another, the way that we're seeing now?
1: I mean, there's definitely a contingent of people who are very worried out there, like, you know, Paul Krugman, for instance.
2: Columnist for the New York Times.
1: Columnist for the New York Times, Nobel Prize winner. Uh, he's been out there essentially saying the Fed should slow its roll. A lot of other progressive economic voices have been kind of echoing that. So there, there is, there is concern, right, that the Fed is going to accidentally do too much too fast because we aren't going to see the effects emerge immediately, right? That, you know, it's um, it's like you're making a soup, right? Uh, because I was making soup last night. And let's say you're making broth and the, the sauce hasn't, like the broth ha- is probably going to reduce, right? Like you're going to boil it for a while, but you add a ton of salt at the beginning. And, you know, if, if you add too much salt at the beginning
2: it's inedible
1: yeah exactly then your broth reduces too much you boil too much of it away uh, and you're going to be in trouble it's going to be too salty like that's that's kind of that's <laughs> where my mind is because i'm trying to uh, take care of this cold i'm dealing with with chicken soup um, but anyway so that's <laughs> so that's but that's kind of people are worried that the, you know that the time delay is going to lead the fed to make a mistake here
2: when we come back how what happens in the American economy ripples out across the globe.
0: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system.
3: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: While we're looking in this kind of cloudy crystal ball for the domestic economy in the United States, we're seeing these follow-on effects internationally that I think are making a lot of people question what the Fed's doing, because as the Fed raises interest rates, it puts other countries in this compromised position where they need to raise their own interest rates. Can you explain why that is and how the U.S. is kind of leading what's happening globally and how that is problematic, especially for smaller countries, smaller economies?
1: Yeah. So this kind of comes back to how the Fed runs the whole world economy. Like, I mean, it's a little bit of an exaggeration, but not much of one. Um Which is, you know, the dollar is, you know, as as I'm sure all of your listeners know, the the dollar is the world's reserve currency, right? And really what that means is that the entire world economy kind of runs on treasury bonds.
2: Buying our debt.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's buying our debt. Like the treasury bonds are the red blood cells of the, you know, global financial circulatory system. So what happens to treasury bonds, what happens to interest rates in the U.S. affect everything else. So when the Fed hikes interest rates, why is this bad for a small country or a a developing country like Colombia or Indonesia? Typically, developing countries have to hire offer higher interest rates on their debt to borrow, right? Because they're a little riskier, and when people like investing them, when interest rates are lower in developed countries. So if if you if Treasury bonds are you know you can only get one percent interest on them, you go and you buy debt in in you know. Colombia or Malaysia or Indonesia, right? Because they're gonna be offering 3%, right? But then, let's say interest rates start rising in the US. Well, okay, now you can buy this, you know, the safest asset in the world, you know, the US Treasury debt has the full faith and credit of the United States government, and it's gonna offer, it's gonna be, you can make more money on it. So people are gonna start buying Treasury bonds instead, and they're gonna take their money out of developing countries, which are riskier, and they're going to just buy American assets. And this is a problem for developing countries because, one, it means people start selling their debt, but also it means they're selling off their currency, right? And that drives down the value of their currency. Their, Their currency starts to depreciate. The dollar gets stronger and the Colombian peso starts falling in value. But it's especially a problem if, for instance, their banks... Right, owe money in dollar, owe dollars elsewhere, right?
2: Because all of a sudden they are, they have to spend more.
1: Yeah, exactly. Let's say Colombia's banks have dollar-denominated debts. Uh, that they borrowed in dollars. That means they have to pay back dollars, which are now more expensive in pesos, and so that can cause problems for their financial system. And so, what they're forced to do then is raise their own interest rates, right? Because they need to attract money back into their country or keep money from leaving their country.
2: So all of a sudden, you see a snowball.
1: Exactly. It's uh, you get these knock-on effects, and so developing countries are in this position where they either have to worry about their currencies, or and or they have to raise interest rates, which could slow down economic activity, or which could slow down their economies, the same way the Fed is slowing the U.S. economy by raising interest rates. So. It's what what happens here in the u s. affects everybody. Um, and people have asked Fed officials, you know, do you care? right? <laughs> like, you know <laughs> you know, I mean, the u n literally just put out a statement like begging developed central banks in developed countries to stop hiking because they're worried it could cause a global recession. And aside from these kind of financial effects, they're also just worried that a, a recession would kind of hurt uh, poorer nations. But, you know, the Fed has said, yeah, we're aware of what's happening in the rest of the world and how that could affect the U.S. Like if there's a global financial crisis, that would affect us. But our priority, our obligation is to the U.S. economy. And we are going to do what is necessary to fight inflation here in the U.S. They are going to focus on domestic issues.
2: Which, to be fair, I feel like that is the Fed's job. You can't really blame them for saying The true thing out loud, which is they are tasked with fixing the American economy. So that's what they're going to try to do.
1: Yeah, I know. I tend to agree. You know, the Fed, if the Fed had to actually take into consideration the condition of every emerging, every emerging economy in the world, I mean, it, it couldn't do its job. Like it just like it's you know, its job is to balance stable prices with, you know, the maximum possible employment, um, right? that that's that's its mandate. Make sure employment is as high as possible while inflation is also stable. And so, yeah, it it, it is not the Fed's job to think about malaysia or or Colombia and in, except insofar as, you know, crises in other parts of the world could affect us. Um that said, I think what it points to is this issue that, when the Fed starts getting really aggressive about interest rates, it can cause unexpected problems. And that's, I think, that's kind of the bigger issue, is that what the you know, people are a little worried that it might be dancing around a minefield right now and you know, we don't know if something's going to explode as a result of what it's doing.
2: But just to play devil's advocate, is it possible that the world economy has gotten hooked on cheap money? And so we would have needed to fix this anyway? No, I mean
1: I really don't like that phrase, cheap money, because like, the idea is that like interest rates should be expensive or should be at a certain level. Fundamentally, interest rates need to be at the level that facilitate a healthy economy. And if that means they need to be low in order to get people to invest and for there to be full employment, then they should be low. If it's appropriate to have them a little higher to head off inflation, then, then they probably need to be a little higher. But like there's no natural place where interest rates really belong. A lot of people act like that.
2: Like it's a moral good right, for them that, like, to be high because you're you're paying for what you borrow.
1: Right. And there are also like, a lot of the people who act like that tend to be older bankers who kind of grew up in one environment and got used to it. And that was all they knew. And so like they just- Yeah,
2: 12% interest rates in the 80s. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. And so to them, like there's something offensive about a different environment where interest rates are low. Um, But interest rates are like they're a tool, right?
2: (laughs) Millennials with your avocado toast and your low interest rates. Yes, (laughs) that's
1: exactly avocado toast and low interest rates.
2: Okay, so we've laid out all the problems you see with the way the Fed is dealing with the economy right now, domestically, internationally. And I know that you've compared the Fed raising interest rates to giving the economy chemo, just kind of blasting it mercilessly. (laughs) yeah. But the thing about chemo is that you do it because there is not an alternative. So is there an alternative to what the Fed is doing by kind of microwaving the economy right now?
1: Not really. Like nobody's really figured out a better way to deal with inflation in on, on sort of a, real t- a fast real-time basis. Right. Like Congress passed the Inflation Reduction Act. And in theory, there are things Congress could do to try and rein in inflation on its own. Like it could, you know, cut spending on certain programs, or you know, raise taxes on people on people they think are spending too much money. You know, there there are ways it could go about it. But everything in that bill was sort of, you know, insofar as it fought inflation, it was mostly sort of like setting the stage for less inflation in the future
2: so it wasn't immediately fixing it now
1: yeah obviously raising taxes is going to help but it's not going to do a ton to fix inflation in the near term right it's just it's very hard to deal with this stuff legislatively and so the fed has these kind of not very elegant tools at its disposal which kind of affect lots of different things and if you think of inflation as a cancer something that can you know, it start the the cells the cells start to grow out of control, and then can eventually just kill the economy if you let them fester for too long. You know, raising interest rates is supposed to kill off inflation; it's supposed to restrain it. But you know, and raising interest rates a little bit might not be too terrible. It's like a light course of chemo, but. If you have to go really aggressively,
2: which is what Powell's seems to be doing now,
1: yeah. Now we're you know I'm not a I'm not an oncologist, Mary. You might not realize this, but like whatever <laughs> the term for super aggressive, you know, extra chemo is, like that seems to be kind of the direction we're heading in, and you know that makes people very sick. You know, it's it's really un, it's really not great, um, and that sort of is what that is what people are worried is about to have. Like we're about to go through it in the economy. But I, I should say the thing about, and you brought this up earlier, the, the optimistic thing here is that the economy is still doing pretty well. Like, you know, GDP fell in the first half of this year, it looks like, you know, GDP didn't do great. But it looks like the economy is going to be growing in, in, the, in the third quarter. Like all the real time trackers suggest growth is picked back up. Um, The job market, again, is still pretty healthy, even though we're seeing some signs it's slowing down with the number of job openings is finally falling, um, which actually makes the Fed happy. Um, you You know, the economy hasn't been crippled by any means. Consumer spending is still very strong. And that's the weird thing about all this. The Fed is trying to slow the economy down. And it just hasn't really happened yet, other than the housing market And, you know, the financial markets and we might the world might get out of this weird transition period basically, okay. it's just that, you know, the Fed's still hiking and it's still promising to, you know, turn up the chemo dial. If that's a metaphor, if that makes sense as a metaphor, I don't think it does, but who knows. And um, it people are a little nervous about what that's going to mean.
2: When does the Fed make its next interest rate decision?
1: Well, we're recording this on Wednesday. By the time your listeners are hearing this, we're gonna have had the next inflation report on Thursday. Oh. So that's already we're gonna have, you know, the markets will be reacting one way or another, freaking out or being a little bit more calm, depending on, on what data comes out there. So that's gonna be the next big development.
2: What do you what are you looking for from that? Just any sign that inflation is slowing, I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean people are not people are not expecting inflation inflation to really slow in this report, but you know, I I would love it if it did. It'd be great.
2: Jordan Weissman, I'm super grateful for your time. Thanks for joining the show.
1: Thanks for having me on, Mary. It's always a pleasure.
2: Get back to the chicken soup. (laughs) Thanks. Jordan Weissman is a senior editor at Slate, reporting on economics, politics, and public policy. And that's our show. What Next is produced by Elena Schwartz, Carmel Delshad, Madeline Ducharme, and Mary Wilson. We are getting a ton of support right now from Anna Phillips and Jared Downing. We are led by Alicia Montgomery and Joanne Levine. And I'm Mary Harris. You can go track me down on Twitter, say hello. I'm at Mary's desk. I am handing things over to the What Next TBD crew for the weekend. I will catch you back here next week.
0: This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine.